You're listening to Money in Politics, brought to you by Call Time AI. Campaigning is hard. Why not make fundraising easy? Using automation and artificial intelligence, Call Time AI lets you fundraise five times faster with easy-to-use tools like instant donor research, automated voicemail drop, and donor scoring, so that you are always calling the right person at the right time with the right ask. Go online to calltime.ai to schedule a demo and start your free trial today. Hey, this is Andrew Blumenfeld, and we are talking today on the Money in Politics podcast about a topic that gets a lot of attention from our users, and that is how do you build your donor database? So today we're talking about the coveted question of how do I actually get the list of people in front of me that I'm ready to call? I think this is an important topic to talk about because there's a lot of misconceptions here. It may be one of the largest areas, I think, of misunderstanding that exists for candidates and probably staff alike, because a lot of times people come into this process thinking that there's just a magic list that they need to get their hands on. And if they're able to get their hands on it, then it's just a matter of calling, making your pitch, you know, being persuasive, being charismatic, all the things that candidates often think they are. But it's more than that, right? Being a candidate, being a credible candidate requires not just that you're charismatic and that you can sell your vision to donors, supporters, voters alike. It also means that you have have some existing network, that you have developed a community around yourself, that you've already demonstrated some investment in that vision before you bring it to voters. And the process of building out your donor database and building out your campaign in some ways is a a serviceable representation of your capacity to do that. So we're talking about what are the mechanics of that today. One of the important things to keep in mind is that building and maintaining your donor network is an ongoing endeavor. It's not something that you just have or don't have. So we're going to discuss how to convert your existing network into a strong donor list and how to be mindful of growing that list over time. The first step is one that gets woefully underappreciated by a lot of new candidates, and that is what often is referred to as Rolodexing. It's an old-fashioned term, considering most of us don't have an actual Rolodex anymore, but you probably can infer what it means. That is the actual excavation of your existing network, going back to your friends, family, colleagues, loved ones, some you've spoken to recently, some you haven't spoken to in a really long time, and getting that list together so you have some landscape understanding of what your existing network looks like. We call that Rolodexing. I'll tell you first and foremost, many candidates are quick to believe that they have already fully tapped this network. That is almost never accurate because people are often not using an expansive enough understanding of what their network actually is. It's not just the people who you've been closest with over the last several years, although those certainly are the people that you should start with, but it's going a bit beyond that. But let's start actually with those people you're closest with. That is often called, or at least I like to call it, love money. I think I got that term from a political consultant I used to work with. And that love money is dollars that come from the people who truly, as it sounds, love you. That is their primary motivation of chipping in. It's not that they love your policies, although they very well may. It's that they genuinely care about you. And because you ask, they're happy to put their dollars behind you. 
these dollars should not be hard to get because these are coming from people who love you. And so the objective here is to move as quickly as you can through this because there shouldn't be you know, difficult pitches that have to be made. If anything, it's an opportunity to refine your pitch in a low-stakes environment where you can try out different messaging strategies knowing that it's going to reach a soft landing. And you shouldn't be too concerned with the size of these contributions. As always, you want to be pursuing your largest possible contributions within any group first. So even within your love money, it's great to start with the love money that's the largest first. But you do want to move through this entire network irrespective of size. So even if someone's only going to chip in 25 bucks, 5 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is, it should be not a big, difficult ask. It should be easy to get in touch with these people. It should be easy to get them to say yes. It should be easy to get them to fulfill their pledges. And so no matter the size, you really want to go scoop all of this love money up and you want to do that first. Beyond reaching out to those that are closest to you, the next group you want to turn to are colleagues and acquaintances, and that's both current and former. It definitely can feel uncomfortable to reach out to someone that you know but not that well, maybe someone you haven't been in touch with for a while, and to make a financial ask of them. I certainly understand why that could be uncomfortable, but it is a mistake to skip this group and try to just quickly jump from calling your loved ones to cold calling completely brand new prospects. Even if it's someone who coached your kid's soccer team five years ago and who you haven't really kept much in touch with since, that call is going to go much more quickly. That person's going to take your call much more rapidly and be much more likely to say yes and chip in than just picking up the phone and calling a major political donor who you've never before met in your entire life. So this part can be uncomfortable, but it is the part where you have to be able to develop a little bit of calluses around the, the awkwardness of it. And it will encourage you likely at going through this experience to find ways to stay in touch with these folks over the long run so that as we talk about in other episodes, you are really making sure that your relationships are nurtured and that not every single time you're reaching out to someone, it's to ask them for money. Another really important reason why you want to be raising every possible dollar you can from people that you know, even if just a little, is because they represent something more than just the dollars that enter your coffers because of them. They are a powerful signal to later prospective donors who don't personally know you at all. Those later donors are looking for cues that you are a serious, viable candidate that they should put some dollars behind. And one of the easiest heuristics for them is how much money have you already raised? How well have you done at getting the people who know you best to put their dollars behind you? And the more of that that has already happened – the more confident future prospective donors will be in getting behind you. So in this way, and this is true in almost all fundraising, money begets money. Now, there will be a time, of course, where you feel it's time to go beyond the people that you know, beyond the love money, beyond the current and former colleagues and acquaintances. And it really is time to grow that network. Again, this is an ongoing process, so it's something that should be happening in the background all the time anyway. It is a mistake, though, to just haphazardly try and reach out to anyone and everyone. This lack of focus will definitely yield poor results, and it will waste valuable time. Frankly, if it's pursued too haphazardly, it can be the kind of thing that sours candidates and campaigns on the fundraising process entirely because it feels so unproductive and awkward and frustrating. And then a lot of hope is lost, a lot of morale is lost, and it can really put a damper on your ability to fundraise in the long term. 
So how do you do this productively? Well, the first thing to keep in mind is, yet again, you want to be starting close to home. So these may be not people that you actually know personally anymore, but nevertheless, you still want to be starting with people who have some sort of proximity to you. This is sort of a general order that I would recommend pursuing as you're trying to find new people to prospect. The first group you want to keep in mind are the people with whom you have shared connections. Just as your existing network is most likely to readily donate, their networks are also a great place to start when you're expanding your outreach. Having a warm introduction where someone can say, hey, this is my friend. She's running for Congress. I've known her my whole life, and she is a rock star. I'd love for you to jump on the phone with her for 10 minutes or go to one of her events. This is a very, very powerful way to get someone's attention who might not otherwise have been on your radar or vice versa. The next group are also shared connections, but not people connections, organizational connections. So if you are part of organizations, if you are, if you have an alma mater, a professional association, a union, a volunteer club, a religious institution, an affinity group, you name it, if you are part of any sort of organization, you want to try and however possible that is appropriate, get your hands on the membership roles of that organization and start introducing yourself. Talk to people who you've never met before in your life, but you have this shared organization. It's a great touch point. It's a great launch point for the conversation. Hey, I'm running for Congress. I wanted to introduce myself. I noticed that you were part of this organization. So am I. Isn't it great for this reason and that reason? Actually, that's part of what informed my thinking that led me to run for this office. Can I talk to you more about that? A next group to pursue are those with whom you have shared causes. So there are obviously countless interests at stake in political campaigns, and the outcomes of elections can have a really significant impact on people and those interests. And so this is often, you know, very obviously a motivator for why people get involved. And one way to get involved is to be a political donor. And so there are donors who are interested in what the outcomes of these elections are as it will impact what causes they most care about. So if you have been a leader, for example, and an advocate for stronger environmental protection policies, you probably want to reach out to people who have given to or who are members of the League of Conservation Voters, for example. This is an area also where software can be really helpful in researching your donors and prospective donors so you have a sense of the causes and organizations that they are already giving to so you can see where there are these shared causes between you and that prospective donor. The last group here are shared enemies, so sort of the flip side of the shared causes coin, really very much just the inverse. Inevitably, I mean, political contests are contests, so they are a choice for voters and for donors between two or more options and often, therefore, two or more visions and policy prescriptions um, and perspectives. So not only will you find that there are donors who are looking to put their dollars behind someone who shares their worldview and shares their belief in causes, you will similarly find those who sort of have an axe to grind and are looking to get in the way of potentially the advancement of certain issues or perspectives that your opponent may hold. And so understanding also what those perspectives are that that you know your opponent represents and may represent as a possible threat to potential donors is helpful in knowing who are the kinds of people for whom you may find you have a shared enemy, if you will. 
Just a quick note on putting all those pieces together. You can kind of think of these groups of donors as existing in sort of three major cohorts. The first cohort were those loved ones and your extended network of colleagues and acquaintances. That second cohort are your shared connections, whether those are people connections or organizational connections. And that third cohort are your shared causes and enemies. It's important that this is no exact science of how you move from one exactly to the other. And as I mentioned at the outset, this is a continuous process, so you won't just check off one box and move on to the next box. But these cohorts do build on one another. So it is important that you are developing one to a certain extent before you're really ready to use it as a platform on which to launch into the next cohort. Your loved ones and your extended network are going to provide sort of the seed money that will allow you to start building an organization. That's an important foundation that can be used to systematically start to pursue donors who have those shared connections. And then at that point, the dollars you have raised will begin to demonstrate a level of viability that is really critical to convincing those who have a shared cause or enemy with you that you are actually the right person to win and realize that vision. So that's all great, but the question is, how do I actually do it? The answer is not alone. There is really cutting-edge software available that will help you automatically Rolodex yourself, instantly research the past giving practices of any of your donors, find phone numbers and email addresses for prospective donors, generate recommended ask amounts, likely donor scores using artificial intelligence. All of the process I talked about, there's software that can tackle each of these pieces, make it faster, and make it smarter. So leveraging your volunteers, leveraging your staff, and leveraging your existing resources to make sure that this is a process that you are pursuing in a deliberate, thoughtful way is going to pay dividends in the long run. So it's definitely something we're thinking about as an investment up front. Stay up to date with the latest fundraising trends, forecasts, and advice by going to the CallTime AI blog at www.calltime.ai and follow us on Twitter at CallTime AI. <laughs>